Amen. So, so good. Amen. Amen. I want to take just a second and just uh, really thank two incredible leaders that we've had this week in Kim Boyd and Kim Cleveland. Can we put our hands together for those two? Um, yeah. So thankful for their leadership over the past uh, week. They've put in uh, so many hours. They're having trouble calculating those. And uh, every volunteer, we had so many uh, great volunteers. And uh, we're just so thankful for um, everybody who made v- VBS work uh, this past week. So we've asked all of you to be in this room this morning because we like ending VBS by having kind of an emphasis on family. And uh, it's just good for us sometimes to not be separated into silos, but to come together and be together collectively and, and worship God. And so thank you for giving us the permission to put your kids right next to you this morning rather than having them uh, tucked away in another area learning about Jesus. So um, I want to talk this morning about how great it is to be a parent. And so um, I, th- I think sometimes as parents, of course, every one of you in here who are in the parenting process, you know what a challenge it can be. And um, um, you you know for sure that there are are different hurdles and different times and seasons where you, you feel inadequate as a parent. But uh Children are a gift of, of God, and that means that parenting is very important to our spiritual process and, and who we are as believers in Jesus. And so today I want to talk about how great it is to be a parent by using an old story, and uh, most of us have known this story as the prodigal son. And I'm not going to talk about salvation this morning uh, specifically. I'm not going to talk about uh, the importance of being wise But I do want to use this story to emphasize how influential parenting can be uh, for every parent in this room this morning. And so I I want to pause here for just a moment, and I want us to pray together over this message, over our families. Uh, It may may have been a while since you've actually been in church together as a family. And so I just want to call this moment sacred and um, us pray together this morning. So, Father, we love you today. Thank you so much for a great VBS. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to children and for giving us people in our church who are called to do that. And so we just thank you for our families today. Thank you for this this week where we can come together as a family and just come back to how special home is. And so speak to us today through this. And uh, we thank you for every parent in this room today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The prodigal son is a great story. It is full of a lot of depth. It's got a lot of color. It's got a lot of family dynamic to it. And so if it's been a while for you, I want to just take 30 seconds and reintroduce to you the main characters of of this story. And so we've got a father figure in this who has really made something of himself. He has acquired some level of of wealth. We know that by, by the story. He shared it with his family. He is kind, he is generous, and he is wise. We also have one son who is convinced that he's ready to be an adult. He is independent, he is bold, at least bold enough to ask for an inheritance early. That's pretty bold. 
He values being the center of attention. And once he has nothing, he proves to be a thinker. We have a second son who is predictable, consistent, but he's got his feelings hurt. And he asks a question that's actually not too far-fetched from something you and I would ask, and that's this, why have you never celebrated me? Okay. And then lastly, we have a fourth character, but the fourth character only makes a very short appearance, and he's called the fatted calf. Okay, some of y'all will get that going home. All right, I want to read together from Luke chapter 15. Y'all are so slow this morning. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. I want to read this. I'm reading it from the ESV this morning. This is what it says. There was a man with two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth on wild living. And after he spent everything, there was a famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, meaning he went and found a job, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out. I will go back to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a hired servant. So he got up. He went to his father, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son and threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. From this story, I want to share just a few insights on what it means to be a great parent, because I I truly believe that that there's a lot of wealth found in this father's demeanor. The first thing I want to talk about today is this. As parents, we need to give a healthy resistance. We need to give a healthy resistance toward our children. I want to give you the imagery this morning of an arrow being pulled back in a bow. And an arrow without healthy tension on it is nothing but potential. But you add a controlled resistance to that, and it's dangerous. And when you place an arrow in the hand of someone with skill, they can place that arrow just about anywhere they they choose. And so as parents, this imagery of our children as arrows and us being in control of applying a healthy tension to it and being able to, with great wisdom, aim our children in a healthy direction and say, I'm going to make the best attempt possible to using my wisdom and experience in life and aligning you in a direction that is positive and healthy. 
giving healthy resistance to them. So having a child is certainly not the end of a parent's responsibility, but only the beginning of it. And there certainly are certain groups and certain parents whose mentality is, you know, I've given birth to you, I provide for you, I've done my best to raise you, but you know what, whatever you do, you're just doing. And it's, it's, it's a really hands-off approach to it. But I really believe that God has called us to be parents who are engaged and involved in providing a healthy resistance to our children's life. The deep satisfaction of parenting comes from aiming your child in a right direction and giving a controlled resistance. And then the hardest part of all is at some point in the parenting process, you have to let them go. You gotta let them fly. You gotta take that that resistance and tension and the wisdom of aiming them in the right place and turn them loose. And believe that what God has promised you as a parent and what He has affirmed in them is going to transpire. It's by faith that we end up at the end of the parenting journey. How does controlled resistance flesh out? Let me give you three quick things. We're going to challenge them, confront them, and question them. The first thing is we're going to challenge our kids. And how does that that flesh out? We tell them, you can do better than this. When we see their behavior, their thought life, the way that they are acting out, we we challenge it. You can do better than, than, than this. You can be whatever you choose to be. You are not locked into a stereotypical system where because of a certain socioeconomic status or a particular race or ethnicity that that the expectations that are put upon you, you have to remain in that. No. And we challenge it. For some reason, Siri just popped up and wanted to talk to me right here. And so we tell them, you can be whatever you choose to be. And the third thing about challenging them is we tell them, don't give your heart away to just anyone. We challenge our children that everything you do flows from your heart. Don't just give it away. You protect it. You guard it. You pray about it. And with great wisdom, then you share your life with somebody. So we are challenging, constantly trying to shape their worldview. Secondly, we're going to confront them. And we ask them, what are you watching? Where are you going? Who are you talking to? Who are you texting with? Show me your phone. I've heard of parents say, well, my kid's room is their private area. What? Since when? When I was a kid, my dad made very clear that that room was part of something called a mortgage. And until I participated in that, that room belonged to him. And until I had a job, everything in the room was on loan. And so he could retrieve it at any given point. We got to get back involved of going, what are you doing? What's going on? Who are you talking to? Who are you friends with? What kind of language are you using? we got to confront. Third, we question them. 
with great sensitivity. And a lot of our questions um, can be things that are rhetorical, but it's good to hear your children respond back. We're going to say things like, what do you plan on doing when, when you graduate? You don't have a plan? You need to get one. What do you plan on doing? What do you want out of a relationship? And get your children to define it. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm looking for. This is what, what I think a healthy relationship looks like. And if it's wrong, talk about it. And then third, the, probably the most important thing about challenge or questioning them is how's your relationship with God? And you can't ever start too early on this. Ask them, how are you with God? Do you ever feel his presence? Do you ever talk to him away from us? What's going on with you and the Father? And get them to talk about those things. These are all ways that we can provide a controlled resistance for our children, a healthy tension that helps to pull them back and back and back and back. And the more we put on it, the further that they're going to be able to go. As believers, it's very necessary to parent from the promises of God. Because believers are different. We believe that God is involved with our kids. We believe that while they were in the womb, he saw them. We believe that he knows the plans for them. We believe that he has ordered their steps. We believe that there is something spiritual that is entirely and completely tethered to the physical realm. And so as parents, we have to communicate that and model it, that God is very much involved in your life. That he's not an afterthought or he's not something that you discover when you've had a near-death experience. But he is somebody that from the beginning, from the origin of your existence has been watching you. So he's got these promises lined up. Ephesians 2 and 10, our kids have learned about it for the past couple of days. It says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared when? In advance for us to do. So before our children even show up for their destiny, God has already been shaping it in them. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. He's got something lined up for every kid in this room this morning. Something great and big and grand. Something that's mind-blowing. And he's not going to be slow concerning it. But he's going to give it. So why would we challenge and confront and question our kids? Because a biblical principle is this. Preparation precedes that promise. You can't just bypass preparation and say, give me the, the good stuff. When you read Scripture, you'll notice that all these heroes of faith were people that were prepared for their promise. So listen, parents, this is what I'm saying. God will fulfill the promise in your children if you fulfill the preparation. If you prepare them, he's going to follow through with his promise. But it's near impossible to just pour something on somebody when they're completely ill-prepared for what God has for them. That's our job as a parent, to set them up, to tee it up, to coach them, to show them how to do it, to show them how to live for God, how to pray, how to worship, how to serve. Those are all things 
that we, we can do to prepare them for the promise. The second thing, as parents, we need to have a grip on reality, okay? I know that sounds very cl- cliche, but the father of the prodigal was not surprised that his son had grown up. He was not surprised that he wanted to leave home, that he wanted to see the world, or even that he wanted some money. I do think he was surprised on the timing and the temper of it. Maybe on the attitude of how he he came to him. Hey, I'm kind of tired of being around here, doing your thing. This attitude kind of plays out in the second son as well. I've been around here a long time, Pop. You've never celebrated me. Okay, this guy's saying, hey, I'm ready to be independent. I got my own thoughts, my own plans, my own goals. Can I have some money? I know I'm not supposed to get this technically until you pass, but I may not see you again. So why don't you just go ahead and divide it up? Give me the wealth that I'm going to get anyway, and I'll just go and do my thing. Maybe he was shocked that his son would ask for something like an early inheritance. Maybe he was not ready emotionally to watch his son build a life that he was not in control of. Maybe he was hurt that he wanted to do his own thing. But I think this father had a myriad of emotions about his son's choices. And listen, our children are going to surprise us. They are going to surprise us. You may be in here in this place and you say, I don't know how in the world my kid is ever going to make it. I don't know how in the world they're going to make it through high school. And they may end up working for NASA. They may blow your mind. They may just turn on an academic interest and go past all of these things that you had ever thought about them. You may have a kid who's doing amazing, and they may come to you one day and just say, I want to be an artist. I'm just kidding, that was a joke. They're going to surprise you, and they're not going to fully follow the dreams that we have neatly laid out for them. Every parent says, I wish you would do this. From my experience, son, I wish you would go in this direction. Daughter, I I wish, based upon what I see in your skill set, that you would kind of move in this direction. Every parent does it. We see something in them. We look into them. We watch their their lives, and we see a niche in them. we got vision for our kids. But we got to get a grip on reality that their dream may not be our dream, but it may be God's dream in them. And we've got to be okay with that. And a lot of us have stood on a stage like this one at some point in your life and we've held our small children and we've prayed a prayer and we've talked about Samuel and we've said, Lord, I dedicate this child and I just want you to do whatever you want to do in them. But then we kind of walk off and go, you know, but I'm going to do my best to make them into, you know. But then God shows up in, in, in their lives, and maybe it's a VBS, or maybe it's a camp, or maybe it's, it's a kid life or a little life moment, and God puts a seed in them. 
And that seed begins to grow. And man, by the time they get to high school and college, man, that thing's an oak in their life and they can't ignore it. And it's producing fruit and it's shaping them. And we look at that and go, where did that even come from? It came from moments like this week that we created for kids to just listen to the Spirit of God. We've got to have a grip on reality that God is creating a dream in them, and the God dream is so much better than ours. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Establish. When you really start to dig down in, in that, that word, it means like, like a foundational thing, like, like when you step on it, it's solid. And because of that, there's confidence that comes into it. You step out on it, you're like, man, this is firm. This feels great. That, that, that's what he's saying, that this is not like a pipe dream, that what God gives is an establishment of steps. Big truth here. Our children are on their way to adulthood. How scary is that? They're on their way to adulthood, and, and you can't stop it. I've tried. I've tried to have conversations with my own and said, stop growing up, and I mean it. I'm serious. I'm going to ground you if you grow any more this summer. It can't be done. They're going to grow up. It's going to happen. And rather than fight the inevitable, we must embrace the reality. Last year, I had the opportunity, I actually went with Gene and David to hear Coach Chad Morris when he was in town. He said this one little part has kind of always stuck with me. He said, listen, there are three things that you're never going to get back. And I want to share those with you quickly this morning. He said, you're never going to get time, you're never going to get words, and you're never going to get opportunity back. And I think as parents, that's wisdom for us to know and get. Hey, you know what? I'm never going to get time back with my kid. Your toddler will never be a baby ever again. Your teen will never be a toddler. Your college grad will never go back to their sophomore year in high school. It's not going to happen. Time is precious, and you never get it back. It's why we got to be so intentional with it. Words. One thing that I've learned from behavioral science is this. A parent's words have more weight than anybody else in the entire world. Your words as a mom, as a dad, have more weight than anyone. It wouldn't matter if the greatest of heroes walked into the the room. When it comes right down to it, there is such a bond that a parent has with a child. And I've seen it unfold in a positive and, a, and a, a negative way. People spend years of their lives trying to overcome word wounds that were inflicted by a parent. Something that was said in a moment of rage. Something that was done repeatedly over and over and over. You're so dumb. You're never going to amount to anything. That stuff is a seed that falls into a soul. At the same, in the same vein, I've seen some of the healthiest people accomplish some great feats because of the encouragement and affirmation their lives were given by parents. One of the greatest things my father ever did for me was affirm me. 
And I remember a conversation. He's not a conversationalist. He's not a person who's going to give you just a lot of, 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 of deep, deep, deep conversation. But he said this to me. There's sometimes I'm not proud of the things that you have done. This is during my, my teenage years. Just so you know, this wasn't last Friday. Sometimes you do things, and I'm not proud of it, but he said that you'll always be my son. Man, that's affirmation. And that always got down in my spirit. It created a door for us that I felt like never had or, or a door jam that didn't have a door on it. It was never, it was never gonna be gonna be closed. It was just like this open thing between he and I. That there are things he would look at and say, I wouldn't have done that if I were you. Or I don't think you used wisdom in that. I don't think you're acting very good right now. But you're mine. And I love you for it. And that is something that is strong in, in my life are the words that he spoke over me. Opportunity. Seize every opportunity you have to show your children how much you love them. There is nothing that you can gift your child to replace your presence in their lives. They'll choose you over something monetary every time. And I can tell you things that, that were experiential with my mom and my dad both, things that, that are roots in my life, but I can't tell you things that I got for Christmas as a, a child. I can tell you a few things because they were great, like Star Wars stuff. But when it comes right down to it, there are things that I totally forget about because their presence in my life was the, was the biggest gift, okay? So time, words, opportunity, you never get them back. Third, let me end, end with this one. As parents, we got to build a bridge. Build a bridge. The end of the prodigal story is that he returns home. This kid's got a terrible blow to his pride. What he thought was a good idea was not a good idea. What he thought was going to be fun was fun for a season, and the Bible teaches that. What he thought may have been a long-term thing for him ended up being a very short-term thing for him. And in the end, he's got one option. I can sit out here and starve to death with these swine, or I can go home. This father had built a bridge so wide that it says while he was afar off, he saw him. And he runs to him and he kisses him. He hugs him. And you, you know how, how, how this, the story goes. I want you to get the best robe and I want you to put a ring on his finger and I want you to kill the fatted calf. I want this, this whole thing that we got going here to turn into a party scene. I want to celebrate that this kid was gone and is home. He was dead, is alive. He was lost. He is found. And he turns into this father who is just saying, I don't care about all the other stuff. And, and here's one great part about this. When he calls for his servant, said, listen, I want you to go in and get, get the best robe. Who do you think the best robe belonged to? Him. So he basically said, go to my closet. Find the greatest thing I've got and wrap it around this kid. I want him to know that there's nothing I have that's better than this right here. 
this moment of my kid being with me. This bridge was so wide that it was wide enough for leaving. It was wide enough for coming back. And our kids are going to have different phases, different seasons, different waves of testing things and coming back and, 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 and trying this and coming back. And, and they're, they're, they're going to come through different various seasons and phases. I had a very, I'm going to close in just a second. I had a very embarrassing part of my life. I had had to choose at this part in my life that, that I want to stay in ministry and not, make hardly anything. I was a youth pastor at that at that that time and the church that we were serving had there was just not enough resource there to help me do anything personally. Or I had to choose that I need to move away. I need to seek other stuff. I need to challenge the call of God on my life and do something different. But there was a way that I could do it was to live with my folks. It was embarrassing to me. In a way, I was upset with God. I was like, listen, I'm trying to do the work of the ministry. The least you can do is help me get an apartment. So I went, and I remember I sat on my parents' couch, and I said, listen, I really, I really want to stay at this church I'm serving, but I can't do it. Unless I come home. And it was like a no-brainer for my mom and dad. They're like, listen, you're, you're still test-driving this ministry. You're still trying to discover God's calling on your life. You can always live here. Always. I was like, great, so when can y'all move out? And I came. My father-in-law came to me. His name's Bob, for those of you who don't know him. And he loves me. He just shows it in very, very peculiar ways. Robbie and I hadn't been married long, and he came to me, and he said, Hey, I want you to know something. He put his hand on my shoulder. He's not a touchy-feely guy. He put his hand on my shoulder. He said, Listen, if something happens... And you guys end up in a financial bind. He said, because I know what it's like to be new, newly married. He said, so if you find yourself in a financial bind, I want you to know that Robbie can always come home. I was like, what, where am I supposed to go? He's like, I don't care about that, but Robbie can come home. Your bridge is going to have to be wider than that. <laughs> Build a bridge for your kid. The best thing about it is having them around. I'm not saying your kids need to live with you forever, but I'm saying that they need to forever know that you're on their team. And so if you have kids in here this morning, I want you to just put your arms around them. I want you to pull them into you. They're not going to like it. They're going to hate it. I want you to just pull them into you. And I want to pray over our families today, okay? Father, you're good.